Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Uh, back for another fine episode of Brew Strong. Uh, and actually, we're down here, you, you, both you and I, we came down for the uh, Craft Brewers Conference in San Diego. Uh, you've got your uh, consulting business, uh, Palmer's Brewing or Palmer Brewing Solutions. Yep, just started that up, and uh, hopefully I can, well... Not make a fool of myself here. I mean, <laughs> this is quite the quite the uh, oh, event. You, you, can, you can always make a fool of yourself. One thing I, I realized on the on the drive down, I was thinking about uh, you know working on the new brewery, and I was thinking all the mistakes I could make, and and I realized that I have yet to plumb the depths of my own stupidity. <laughs> there's so there's room for growth. There. There's always you can always go deeper, lower. I can always. <laughs> I, I have not hit bottom yet, yeah, and I, yeah. it's I, I'm quite capable of making a fool of myself. Uh, uh, you know, at any time, and uh, most of the time. So, I yeah. think I, I have the same potential. <laughs> so. so, no, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll do quite well. And, CBC is always a great fun time, and and actually, what we since we're down here for CBC, and you know what's located down in San Diego, right? White Labs, that's right. You know, the place that uh, we get our yeast from, and um, so uh, we decided to come down and do some uh, live shows from White Labs. Yeah, well, here we are. We've got uh, some special guests with us today. And- yeah, yeah. I thought that uh, you know we work with White Labs all the time, and uh, we wanted to do some live shows during the Craft Brewers Conference. And we've never actually done live shows during CBC Week down yeah, it's first because it's a big pain in the ass and, uh, to try to do shows at the conference hall and things like that. But uh, when Whitey here got his new building, uh, which we had our anniversary party at in June, we realized that they had facilities for us finally to do some broadcasting from the Craft Brewers Conference. So I thought we'd change up Brew Strong a little bit. And uh, kind of have more of a panel discussion since we have the avail- uh, availability of more brewers around. Obviously, Chris White's here and some of his staff. We're going to talk to Nava Parker later today. And uh, this way, we could have all of your expertise, free up Jamil a little bit from just doing all the, the question asking and actually get in on the panel. So I'm going to help moderate today's Brew Strong and get you guys going. And also to help us out today, our first guest, uh, you might remember our old friend, Youssef Chernay from Ballast Point Brewing Company. He's hanging out with us today. How are you doing? Welcome, Youssef. Thank you for having me. He brought us beer, and, uh, and I think he brought whiskey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
just to warm us up after lunch, maybe. Right. Um, now, Ballast Point Brewing Company is uh, one of the premier uh, brewing companies down here in the San Diego area. So uh, you must have a busy week ahead of you, too, Yousef. It's fairly busy. We've had a lot of uh, tour groups coming in with um you know, the judges came through uh, on Monday, and then we had another whole big tour come through today, about 65, 70 people. So it's, it's been a, a fun week. Uh, it's actually better f- probably for us to stay at the brewery and kind of welcome people than it is to go down to the town and country because um, right. a lot of people are coming to see us and good networking and, and all. So. Yeah. It must be fun to host a, a, a craft brewers conference. Of course, we had it up in San Francisco last year, and uh, you did. It's, uh, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good of a host we are, Yusef. Uh, it, it's just nice to have all your brewer friends and, and brewers that you haven't met come to your city too. I think, um, and I think you're right. Having them at your brewery is probably the most fun too. Yeah, it's, it's amazing seeing you know not only our our old friends and all, but. Uh, having people coming in from the Czech Republic and Germany and all these different places that, uh, you know, you normally don't go out into your tasting room and hear uh, people speaking in Czech or something like that. So it's, it's very interesting. And uh, when every once in a while, when you can bust out a a word in uh, their language to them, it kind of shows them uh, that you're trying at least, you know? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, and that brings up a good point about this year's craft brewers conference. Uh, What is it? Every two years, it's also uh, the world beer cup. Um, which is, a, 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 as opposed to the Great American Beer Festival, where just uh, American breweries enter, which is also a huge competition, the World Beer Cup allows breweries from all over the world to enter. So every, every other year of the Craft Brewers Conference, you get more of the international brewers, I think, coming to town also, uh, because they're also participating in the World Beer Cup, which is taking place this year. Right, and we, uh, you know, not to beat this into everybody, but we may we only have a few days left for this title, but we are the reigning uh, small brewers of the world champions for uh, oh, you 2010. Are. So nice. we, we have a few days left. We're um, small brewer champions from uh, the last World Beer Cup in Chicago. Uh, this this time we'll be in the mid-size category. So okay. got uh, some strong competition. I know Matt usually uh, has it all sealed up at Firestone Walker, but we'll, right. we'll try. <laughs> so you guys at Ballast Point began producing enough beer to move you up a category. Is that what happens? Correct. Yeah, we've, we've pretty much doubled in size since uh, the last competition, and we're looking to double again uh, wow. this year. So Okay. Now, Jamil, uh, Heretic has been how, – how long has Heretic been open? It's been more than a year now, hasn't it? Well, no. We we brewed our first beer on May 20th, so not quite Almost. a year brewing yet. Okay. Did you enter into the World uh, Beer Cup this year? No. Um, you know, for me, competition's never been uh, of any interest. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> – uh, just the the logistics of doing it, you know. Right okay. now, everything is just so crazy that I was like, oh, I'll, I'll skip it. You know, we'll yeah. probably do it next year or you know, two years from now. Okay. The way yeah, I hear, you hardly have any beer left to give away. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we end up running out of beer, so all right. Just, I, I don't know. I, I think we we need to focus on just trying to make beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once, right. Once I have a moment to to relax after that, then I'll think about it. You know, more more seriously. But yeah, you know, it's and and I just don't think we'll win anything. You know, that's always my thought. It's like ah, oh, we won't win anything. Why enter? 
you know. See, that's what you would say <laughs> when you won Ninkasi and everything at the uh, the homebrewers conference too. I don't know. Maybe I, yeah. so many other great brewers out there. Well, there are, and there's even more. You know, homebrewing. I had amassed some skill, and you know. Now in commercial brewing, there's you know there's people like Yusuf to contend with. It's like, oh please, <laughs> Yusuf, have, have you gotten a chance to try any heretic beer yet? I have not. Okay, why waste my money? Why why waste my my time? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to poor Jamil. <laughs> next year, next year maybe I'll try. Well, he did bring a couple growlers, didn't he? Oh no, that's Val's point. That's Val's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> See, right. see, it's got me at every turn. That's I what we're saying. I can't succeed. Make sure we face that. these. Which way the cameras pointed? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I, well, I was just gonna say, I think winning these competitions, whether it's GBF or World Beer Cup, sometimes people say, I hear people say all the time. Uh, Oh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, that's not what Jamil said, but that's what people say sometimes. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know, oh, is it going to really make a difference? But I can tell you, just being a couple miles from Ballast Point, they're just over the freeway from us here. I've seen p- the public notice their awards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at World mm-hmm. Beer Cup, oh, yeah. and then some of the other ones. And so, just the buzz that got created about some of the beers, like Sculpin, uh, right. after that, right. um, you you could really notice it. Well, and it's not like you know, some people go, some people enter and they don't win, and they go, well, you know. It's just a random chance. The judges don't know. It, it, that's not. That's not true. You know, I, I think there may be some little small elements of you know preference one way or another. But you got to be making great beer to kind of get into that. You know, ballpark. Th- yeah. Top couple of beers out right. of you know 150. You know, if you're making not making good beer, then you're in the bottom half of that. Or you know, right. you can't get in up to that 3, element 000. where you're actually competing. So, um, especially you know, it's, now, it's a tough thing. The the competition these days, uh, you know, when we started 15 years ago, there wasn't the mm-hmm. amount of great beer being produced. Right, right. Um, so it was a little bit easier to kind of squeak a award here and there. Um, but now, you know, not only I think the judges are a lot more trained, mm-hmm. um, but we're going up against uh, 120 different beers in one category. You know, for example, yeah. so. Uh, to do that and still come out with a gold is um, is pretty amazing and and it's kind of like you know the the best pat on the back you can get from your mm-hmm. peers sure when when that when it finally comes true and, and when you don't win it, it totally is a uh, crapshoot and it's uh, just a lucky draw <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really sucks yeah. so my question Yusef is are you going to go to the awards dinner on Saturday night to see if you won a medal well I am going to be eating a uh, a Italian beef that's flown in from Chicago because that's what I was doing the uh, right before the awards ceremony last time when Chris White uh, convinced me that I had to go. We we were actually we ah. skipped the awards ceremony. Uh, we didn't even have a ticket, and uh, Chris texted I think and told us that uh, we had to come. And you know what are you guys doing? You're all the way here, and uh, yeah. And then we ended up um, sneaking away with uh, the big prize there, the kind of the. And you had you arrived at the awards by then to receive that? We we were there for the whole. You did. Yeah, we, okay. we we missed a little bit of the dinner, but uh, right. we, and we'd already eaten anyway. Uh, <laughs> Portillo's, uh, we had to. We were on an Italian beef uh, quest. Wow! So, so we uh, yeah, we were sitting there eating, and both myself and Jack were looking across the the table at each other, going, "Okay, should we go? Should we go?" And we finally went. Yeah, we should go. So, uh, yeah, that would have been uh, the ultimate in lameness. We we already missed uh, one of our medals at GABF uh, one year, and we got you know ungodly amounts of crap for that. I bet. But uh, so we kind of developed a theory that we shouldn't go 
because if we don't go, we'll win an award. I see. So there was a little bit of that, and uh, now our, our, our motto is more uh, just owning it. Like, oh, yeah, we're, I'm going to need help actually carrying awards out this time. <laughs> so, uh, I that, thought maybe your motto would be half go. We just yeah, half we go. Just half go. Plan to do yeah. something else and then kind of well, show up. That's kind of what happened uh, in Kentucky. We were uh, out there for the Spirits Award show. And uh, Jack ended up missing the bus, so I was out by myself and uh, ended up walking away with three three medals. So that was uh, that was a half go. <laughs> well, we're going to have to get you on to talk about that too, because I know we mentioned it when you're on the show. In fact, uh, last time you were on the on the session, um, you brought us like the, one of your first batches of, of rum, mm-hmm. I think maybe it was, and you guys have been distilling now for a couple of years. So we'll have to make sure we come back to that topic either on Bruce Strong or, or another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for today, you know, one thing about the new White Labs facility that, uh, and, and kind of speaking to our Brewing Network listeners that were at our anniversary party, there's a lot you haven't seen about the new White Labs facility. When we were here on their soft opening, basically, most of it wasn't built. Well, one of the things that, you, that has been Chris White's dream is to have an on-site tasting room um, inside White Labs. Uh, and what, what's the purpose of a tasting room at a, at a yeast company, Chris? Well, I wanted people to taste different yeast strains and different beers. Um, you know, we've all done that at Homebrew. Uh, a lot of listeners have done it. I've done it. Yousef's done it. Uh, Jamil, John. You, know, you, you take uh, the same batch of wort. You, you split it up. You ferment it with different yeast strains. And we do those as one-offs, and we do a lot here to experiment with different yeast strains. But the, with this tasting room, we can do it every day. And there, if you want to taste something, or you want to taste a different yeast strain, you don't have to go through the whole process of doing that. I can just walk over to the bar and try it. Right. And and so since we're making so little bat- uh, very small batches, we're doing new batches every day, two or three uh, twenty gallon batches, and splitting those into five gallon fermentations. Um, and then when people come visit here. Um, they can come in, the public can come in and try different yeast strains with different beers. Okay. So I've wanted this to be a place where people, it also has a, a lot of hours. You know, some of the tasting rooms around here are open very limited hours. And that's fine. They're promoting those breweries. But I view this as somewhere, a place where some people might just be visiting San Diego for one or two days. And so we need to be open for that person to be able to come here and, and try those uh, So you're open 24 hours a day? Yes. The 7-Eleven <laughs> model. Right. Like yeah, Las the state Vegas doesn't let here. us do that. We have to close uh, by 9 o'clock. I know the whites, and they would do that if they could. They, they are late-night guys, and uh, they, they would definitely yep. do that here. Well, it's, a, it's an awesome concept, and I've seen, you know, I'm sure you've noticed some of the, the press you've been getting and some of the social network press you've been getting, mm-hmm. and everyone's saying that the newest destination in San Diego is the White Labs Tasting Room. And so not only is it beautiful, uh, Push Eject is down here producing for us today. He's going to take a bunch of photos of the tasting room, and we'll get those up on our Twitter site and Facebook um, for you. You can watch all this right now on justin.tv slash brewing network, but the the tasting room is something to behold. You guys have really done a nice job designing it. Uh, But obviously the cool thing is to be able to come in Mm -hmm. and taste beers the way White Labs would brew the beers with the yeast, with, I assume, the way you recommend brewing with the yeast, and to have samples of those that people can come in and say, you know, I'm interested in brewing a saison, for example. Uh, I sure would like to try some a saison with your yeast, and 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 that's what you have available here in the tasting room. So I think, uh, go ahead. Yeah, it'll probably develop into that, and there'll be more and more experiments that we'll do. Uh, right now, you know, just one wort, different yeast strains, but among 32 different handles, there's different types of beer styles with different types of yeast strains. Got it. But and and then we'll do different experiments and things like that. But from what you said there, making 
say, a world-class example of something with the yeast strain, uh, we're more interested right now in making a comparison. We don't want to make the best pale ale ever made. And, you know, if you were going to put your name on that, it was going to be Heretic Pale Ale, I think you would really focus on making the best possible pale ale you can. Uh, Which, we might, we might you know. sort of try. I don't know. <laughs> All right. um, and our focus with this has been a little bit more, let's do a comparison of different yeast strains. Let's let this comparison speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But as, this, as, we, as we do this more and more, we have the ability to keep tweaking those recipes to make them better and better and better. Because we're going to keep making them because they're going to run out so fast. We have 10 beers run out every day. You're brewing <laughs> on, a, on a homebrew system, yeah, right? Yeah, a beer, beer, more beer, brewing sculpture. Okay, got it. And a Braumeister. Oh, and a Braumeister, so. too. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, though, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate until they've tasted, you know, beer side by side. And uh, like Chris is saying, you know, the same wort, different yeasts. So, you know, it may not be an ideal wort for the best Saison or the best, you know, barley wine or whatever, but the radical differences between the same wort fermented with different yeasts is something to behold and something that, you know, if you do it as a home brewer, you're, a lot of times you're like, ah, I don't want to, you know, split it up because, you know, I don't want to take a chance on something. You come down here, you can taste uh, dozens of different, you know, the, the impact dozens of different yeasts have on uh, fermentation. Yeah, it's a you know a, a, a substantial difference. Um, you know, it's such an important part of of uh, making a beer. Um, and White Labs, they even have uh, you know lab data on the yeast, mm-hmm. and you share that with people if they if they ask for it as well. It's or? on the it's on the bar. Okay, so it's on the bar. Wow. And, we know, do a complete yeah analytical analysis on each beer, so you can you can look at the flight of say IPAs, and you can look at the calories, color, IBUs, which will differ among the different yeast strains. Um, and then the fermentation, you know, the ending gravity, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol, uh, and some of the other parameters. And so you can compare that to the sensory that you're experiencing. So here, here's, here's an example of how different it is and how important it is to have those numbers and taste those, those different beers. For example, in, in one of the things we were trying earlier, uh, I noticed that the IBU difference uh, between, you know, one and another, uh, same wort. One of them came out at like 20 IBUs, and the other one, another one was 30 IBUs. Interesting. 20 IBUs, 30 IBUs. Now, that's obviously a significant taste difference, and that's just changing the yeast. Wow. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, yeast of how are a sponge, you know, and they, they take up hop compounds uh, differently because each cell, each strain, has a different makeup of the cell wall and plasma membrane. And you can you taste that. You know, when you brew, you if you use California ale yeast and English ale yeast or what other strains you might use, there's a big uh, flavor difference, and there that actually is you can you can uh, measure that in an IBU difference too. Okay. A lot of times people ask, well, you know, why is this strain considered to be a more malty strain? Uh, why is this one a more hoppy strain? Well, it's like like Chris is saying, the amount that the, of I you know the uh, Isomerized alpha acids or other hop compounds that the yeast take out of solution. So it's not just gonna attenuation. Make yeah, it's not just attenuation. You know, attenuation play, all these things play a play a role in it. But uh, right there, you know, just IBUs. If you can, if you're planning on using different yeast, and you go, wow, I'll I'll need to actually uh, you know hop this a little bit more to keep my bittering up if I use this yeast versus using that yeast. And right. you, know, you can actually, you know, just tasting and looking at that information that they have here. 
you can learn a lot about yeast even before you ever brew with them. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, one of the customers yesterday said that he um, he was a home brewer, and he said he really liked the experience because he would have never thought of using Edinburgh yeast. It's just a yeast strain that never occurred to him, WOP28, mm-hmm. you know, to use. And it was the one he really liked in the flight of beers. Hmm. And so I hopefully that those kind of things will happen each day. And, and commercial brewers, too, might say, um, hey, what about this strain? Uh, because there are a lot of other strains that we make that most commercial brewers don't use because, you, you know, you go for clean, neutral. But there are some that are just a little on the fringes of clean, neutral that are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to do the tests ourselves, it's, you yeah. know, it's extra work. We're already busy with stuff. You know, it's let nice you to, do it. You know, yeah, <laughs> let you guys do it. And otherwise, you know, when you buy a commercial pitch, you know, it's not cheap. Right. Well, and I, I think it's it's interesting too because White Labs really has been doing it for years, mm-hmm. but we only get to experience it in writing. I mean, these descriptions right. are on right. the White Labs website and they're on yeah. the vial, and and so we just have to take your word for it. And this right. is an added component where we get to just actually. Come. You can talk about this stuff all the time, and people, you know, you kind of shake your head. Oh yeah, yeast make a difference, but tasting it, yeah, you, I can see that the expression on people's faces sometimes when they do it. The mayor of San Diego was here last summer for the, for your party, Justin, on June fifteenth, because he cut the ribbon. That was the day we opened the building. And we, Neva uh, Parker did a little uh, brew for him and did different yeast strains. And the expression on his face, I'll just never forget, um, <laughs> because he was trying a, a, you know, a Belgian um, a, a beer made with Trappist and a beer made with a California ale yeast um, and some other things. And he couldn't, just couldn't believe that the Belgian yeast didn't have some spice added mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. It couldn't just be from the yeast. Right. And, That's a cool experience. And to see that, yeah, and, and that really made me want to to double the, my efforts to get the tasting rope open so people can experience that. Well, we've got a lot to do today based upon that, and I think it's going to be a great experience. Uh, I know Whitey pretty well, and uh, this is like, I think, the new beer geek place to be in Southern California to get to do this and see all the information. And I know for a fact, I, I've seen Whitey's face light up when he sees people taste different, uh, you know, when they start talking about the beer. He's really into Obviously, he wants to sell some yeast, but I think the thing that really more drives uh, Chris White is, is seeing people experience it and a light bulb go off in their head about this stuff. And so that's what we're going to do a little bit today. We have a whole bunch of uh, beers in front of us. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to try, uh, I guess this is probably one of the first uh, experiments that you guys have run here, Chris? Yeah, that was in the first week, and those were beers uh, that was actually a Ballast Point collaboration, Okay, we call it, because it was Ballast Point Pale Ale uh, that we fermented here, uh, so made across the street. Uh, With their word. Yeah, we pulled off eight barrels, brought it over here, distributed that into many, many uh, 40 or 50 different five-gallon carboys, pitched different yeast strains, fermented here at a different temperature than they would, um, but we're able to compare now – that pale ale recipe made with lots of different yeast strains. So most of the beers, almost all the rest of the beers that we have here, including some saisons that we just put on before this talk, uh, were made here. But this is an example of our first collaboration beer. Okay. Perfect. So before we go to the break, of course, we need to thank our wonderful sponsor uh, of this show, even though we're out on the road. Uh, yes, the sweet you Northern this, Brewer. <laughs> is it Northern Brewer this week? Or, oh, no, it's Blickman. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. John That's right. Northern Brewer is uh, also a sponsor of the show, but this Brew Strong and every Brew Strong, right. uh, no matter where we are, is brought to you by Blickman Engineering. That's right. I wonder if John's down here Innovating this week. your homebrew. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's, now, that's what JP likes to say. That's a brew system you might need to check out, Chris right. White. That Blickman right. uh, brew system is pretty nice. You know, I would like to have different brew systems here and compare those and different things too. And we do have a Braumeister system. So you'll notice mm-hmm. on our uh, on our beer menus, we say the brew system BS for brew sculpture or oh, BM no. for Braumeister. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Maybe we need to... The B, something what for Blickman. See that up a little yeah. bit. Or BT. Yeah. I think the Blickman is but, badass. Yeah. 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 There's the room for more here. <laughs> right. right. Well, and the thing I love about the Blickman, uh, all the Blickman equipment is that... Uh, you know, it's it's you know designed by a brewer engineer guy, and he's constantly thinking of new ways to improve the process and in either repeatability of the process or ease of the process or you know it, it, he's looking for quality results in an easier fashion, in yeah. a more repeatable fashion, and um, it's just amazing the things that this guy creates and comes up with. I'm, I'm always shocked and uh, and pleased at the same time. Yeah, enthused. I, I was just brewing on mine last week, yeah. and uh, I was checking out his his hop rocket, his hop track. Right, right. Worked beautifully. I mean, it, you're uh, using that, and you're using the Tower of Power, and yeah. you're using you know. <laughs> oh, it, I, I, at one point awesome. I I, I, know. Yeah. I, I so cranked up the uh, temperature to go to mash out, and then I just walked away and sat down and had pizza right. with my wife, and it's like. This thing's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does a lot of the work for you. Yeah. And it, it, the thing I've always said in the show over the years is that, you know, people go, oh, do I really need it to do it for me? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you're, it's not brewing the beer for you. You're, you're determining all the parameters. But what it does is, you know, those days when you're more tired or more excited or somebody's talking to you, it's repeating the process exactly each time yep. so that, you don't end up with a different beer because you're tired or you're excited or you know somebody's talking to you and you're having beers with your friends and you mess up on something you actually you know you're controlling your process and the 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 pumps don't get tired the you know the controller doesn't forget to or get drunk you know, make the change yeah exactly <laughs> controller stays sober every time <laughs> so yeah. that's that's Amazing. one of the one of the, the yeah, great things sure about doesn't want wander off to watch cartoons doing something like that yeah now All see right. Yusef, you if you get jack on board with us we'll talk about you like this every week you know <laughs> get that guy to cough up some change finally <laughs> and we'll do that let's do this let's take a short break and uh, when we come back, let's get into we'll, – we'll, we'll be doing some tastings of these uh, sample beers, and we'll talk about the differences of the yeast and uh, more stuff like that right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles – the Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape. We've been supplying brewers in Australia for 21 years and for all that time we've been working to offer the best service around, including free fortnightly all-grain brewing demos, 
90 varieties of malted grain from Belgium, Germany, the US, Britain and Australia, equipment from Browmeisters, Kegerators and Crown Urns to the humble brew in a bag bag, heaps of hops, wire yeast liquid and fermenters and Danstar dried yeast cultures, fresh work kits made at Mountain Goat Brewery and on the 200 litre Browmeister right here in the warehouse. We also sponsor and support brewing clubs and comps, the Australian National Home Brewing Conference, Aussie Home Brewer Forum and heaps more. Mostly though, 100 years of brewing experience means that we can give you the best advice on your next recipe, your new system or that brewing problem that needs a solution. Mention the Brewing Network next time you order online or by phone for freight free on your next order. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can find Moonlight Meadery Meads in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And they ship direct to 17 states. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story. Story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire, or online at moonlightmeadery.com. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. We're back. We're having uh, a bunch of great beer down at uh, the wonderful White Lamb Studio. And tasting room. Yeah. <laughs> um, having my... How many years have we been doing having this? Having a nervous, nervous breakdown. I still haven't figured out how Did to do this. Did you spill beer into live. the uh, controls? Or? No, I, I don't That's know. usually what happens. <laughs> There's always ghosts in the machines is what happens, Yusef. That's a nice fade. It's like that was perfect, right? It was my techno fade. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to modernize uh, all of our programs. So that was our techno fade. 
Uh, we're here at the White Labs uh, new facility down in San Diego, California, during the Craft Brewers Conference. Uh, we got Yousef Chernay from Ballast Point joining us today. Chris White's here with us, uh, although he's out, I think, getting us some more beer. Um, and uh, this is a live uh, Brew Strong, which we like to do from time to time. Usually we do them from the Home Brewers Conference, so it's nice to be able to come down to the Pro Conference and do it, yep. especially now that not only is Jamil a pro brewer, but Palmer's like moving into the pro consulting world. I'm trying to anyway, yeah. Which is fantastic. I see you've got a new shirt on here, Palmer Brewing Solutions. Yep. He's got the shirt. It's official. Yeah. That's a, and cards and the whole. I'm going to get a truck sticker, too. You are. That's perfect. I see that it's got a self-portrait of you, of you, a very strong man looking off into the into the distance. That's your logo. Oh, that was Push's idea. It really, yeah. really looks like Yusuf, actually. It does actually. Yeah. It looks entirely like Yusuf. <laughs> right. I like that uh, Yusuf, when he's not brewing, he's modeling mm-hmm. and uh, for T-shirts. Those, yeah, those arms look about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, you got what, like twenty twos? Yeah. I had to use Photoshop, but yeah, you don't <laughs> have. <to>. Yeah, <laughs> there's no camera feed on this, right? <laughs> no, you're, you can't see anything. I was told I have the perfect face for radio. Right. right. Uh, actually, you can go to justin.tv/brewingnetwork and watch this. Even the archive of the video will be up there for a short period of time. So if you miss it, uh, you can check it out. Of course, the podcast will be in the Bruce Strong. So, uh, Whitey, why don't you tell us what we have in front of us? In terms of the of, of all these beers and the experiment that you that you've laid out. Okay, so right now we have twenty nine beers on tap in the taste room. We have a total of thirty two taps plus three um, wow. beer engines that are not the beer engines aren't going just yet. Wait, who, um, who's doing all this brewing? <laughs> yeah, um, we didn't hire anybody else to do the brewing. Okay, that's the first part. <laughs> okay, so we uh, we hired uh, John Oliphant uh, who uh, goes by Johnny O. We hired him a couple of about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and he was spent about twenty years with Rock Bottom, and we hired him not to be a brewer, but to um, first work at the lab in Davis, and then he came here and was our general manager when we opened up in June. Okay. So he's been our general manager, doing a lot of the day to day things that you need to do to run this uh, facility. And when the brewery opened, I asked for volunteers and. Uh, Johnny O volunteered to brew the beer. Nice. Well, and, and <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to jump in and say is that when you say who's doing all this brewing, one of the things that people should realize is when you split your your wort and do you know multiple yeasts, you actually end up with multiple beers for producing right. one wort. Right. So it's really not a lot of extra brewing. So if somebody has the capability of producing like twenty gallons of beer and they're like, you know. I don't want to drink twenty gallons of the same thing. Sure, you can pitch a Cal Ale yeast, you can pitch a right. uh, you know a Trappist yeast, and you know you end up with uh, you know an American ale, and you end up with a, a Belgian ale. Right, and you actually end up with, and, it, and the amount of work is no more than brewing a single beer. Well, so doing yeah. different yeasts, it's really a, a great way to get more beer out of your, your brewing effort. Actually, yeah, and Johnny O actually had to learn a little bit about the small-scale brewing because he hasn't, you know, he's been, like I said, commercial brewing in 15 and 20-barrel batches for 20 years. And so a lot of little things with the more beer system and, and stuff like that <laughs> he had to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, obviously that went really quick. Uh, and then Nava Parker has brewed some beers. We don't have any of hers on yet. Uh, Trolls Prawl has brewed some beers. I'm going to brew some beers. Uh, we hope to do some more collaborations and maybe some clubs and things. So we hope to have a variety of, of, of 
people brewing beer. Okay. Um, well, and then, of course, the other part, you know, worth noting that, that you said before the break is that, um, you know, Ballast Point can make the wort for you, and then you make the, the beer out of the wort, which I think is just interesting to note quickly. Um, with, a, with certain brewery licenses, you, you can't have other brewers, other professional breweries' beer on tap here that's produced somewhere else. Uh, Correct. Every state's different. Every even county can be different in different states. But for most of California, the way it works here is uh, a brewery can have a tasting room and can serve their beers in their tasting room uh, for free or for a charge. Um, in some states, you can't charge for a tasters like that because okay. they really won't. They don't want the tasting rooms to become normal bars. Right. They're not twenty one and over things like that. You still have to only serve to twenty one and over. Um, so we can we can sell beer in our tasting room because of the brewing license, um, but we have to serve what we make here. So when you turn wort into alcohol, it's technically when it's being made because otherwise it's right sugar. Otherwise, you're just buying essentially a food product yeah. from Ballast Point. Right. Okay. Just like you buy an extract, or you know, you can buy malt in different forms. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there are some breweries doing this. Um, there's a, a restaurant group in in the Midwest that brews the wort and sends the wort to its different locations, and then um, uh, it fills fermenters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, Breweries doing a variety of things like this, but we want to brew most of it here because we want to do the small scale batches. But I think doing a few things like that will be fun. And when we when we were brewing, it was also a nice help that Ballast did this with us because you know it was going to take us a while before we accumulated enough beer to put on tap. And yeah. so by doing eight beer, eight barrels all at once, uh, we had a lot. And you can see half of our tap list right now are made up of these Ballast Point collaboration beers. Okay, so again, this is all the same work. Just with different yeast, is that correct? Correct. Okay, and so there's eight beers in front of us. It's a pale ale recipe, and, and Yusef can say the yeast strain, if he wants to, what they use uh, normally on it. The German Kolsch strain. Okay. Okay. I know he's open with it, you know, because I, I know him well. So uh, some some brewers, you know, uh, they don't, yes, yeah, you have you have different people on your show, you know, some brewers don't like to disclose what they use. So, yeah, some won't, some don't even like to say which uh, brew, uh, yeast company. Yeah. Uh, you know, we try to keep confidentiality, just a strict confidentiality with uh, breweries we're working with. So we usually don't even say the name mm-hmm. either. If somebody asks us, "Oh, do you work with this brewery?" Well, if I know them and I know that's okay to say yes or no, I, sure. I do that. But uh, usually we can't even really acknowledge that. Yeah, because yeah. they also do a lot of sample analysis. You know, so say a brewery sends us a sample and it's contaminated, and they want to see what's in it. They want to know with strict confidence that we're not going to tell somebody else, "Hey, that beer had some <laughs> lacto in it." So, <laughs> right. So it even be goes goes beyond point. yeast strain. Okay. Um, so we we Belgianized some of this pale ale by using Belgian strains. Uh, we've used different ale strains on the samples we're going to taste. We use WLP thirty six Dusseldorf Alt Yeast, forty one Pacific Ale Yeast, fifty one California Ale Yeast, fi- California five. Uh, I see they don't put five on our uh, tap list. Good thing, you know, we're checking things here. <laughs> I know that's California 5, but that just says California Alias on okay. the list. Okay. All right. Uh, now, and then the next one is uh, WLP 080 Cream Ale Yeast. Uh, then we have Hefeweizen Yeast, uh, 300. We have 380, the Hefeweizen 4. We have 400, the Belgian Wit Yeast. And we have 500, the Trappist Ale Yeast. So quite a few different yeast strains. None of these are the German Ale Kolsch strain. We did one with German Ale Kolsch that was on tap and already ran out. Um, okay. 
Because it tasted like a Ballast Point Pale Ale? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it tasted really like it was. It tasted like Ballast Point Pale Ale fermented a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. Because our, the way we're fermenting these are a bit warmer, not as well temperature controlled as their great you know, big fermenters with awesome glycol. What right. is well, a, what's a bit warmer? Um, well, we have, we have the room set at 66, so they can, individual tanks can be varying. And what we're going to do is we're going to get it down to the individual tank so we can control each tank when it's fermenting. Um, so what do they, you know, it could get, uh, you know, they do a pretty good job because it's also got fans in those rooms. So that circulates the air pretty good. So they, they're going to stick close to 66, but they could come to 70, they could come to 72. Uh, some fermentations might really go strong and get up to 75. Okay. Well, and also, you know, one of the things that people need to keep in mind when they're trying to, like, one of the things that we've learned from the Caney Brewett show is, you know, when the, the, the size of the fermenters that the, the brewery is using, that plays a big role in the character of the beer. Mm-hmm. When it ferments, so uh, you know they'll ferment something a lot hotter than you would as a home brewer because there's a lot of hydrostatic pressure on the uh, the yeast, and it actually uh, you know the CO two levels are higher, and it really suppresses the you know ester activity of the of the yeast, and you end up with a somewhat cleaner beer, mm-hmm. even at you know whatever temperature. And so that's why I don't really go by the temperatures that you, you also know, get a, a breweries do convection in the mm-hmm. conical that you probably. Mean, don't get in the fermenter. Get fermenter. Yeah. Right. Okay. A lot of different things that affect uh, fermentation. And so you could use the same yeast but not make the same beer. It, yeah, and we want to get it down to individual fermenter because we want to do some lagers, of course. We want to do some uh, Belgian beers at higher fermentation temperatures. Mm-hmm. We want to do same yeast strains at different fermentation temperatures. And if you can control it, precise it, I think that information is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um Hefeweizen yeast, you know, the difference between 65 and 68, you know, is there a difference in banana? Uh, is there a difference in some of the other flavors? You're going to see if see what we can dial in. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fermentation temperature is huge. And then uh, aeration is another control brewers have, right? Temperature, aeration, right. and pitching rate. And aeration is something it took us a few batches to optimize. When we took this uh, Ballast Point Pale Ale over here, we aerated it because we, uh, we, it wasn't aerated then. And so we aerated it. And... We hadn't perfected that yet either. And I can see the difference in the beers as we've been going, and we've been nailing the aeration down to getting 10 ppm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're resulting in better fermentations. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting seeing a yeast company uh, kind of go backwards or, or flip it around and become a brewer. I mean, right. I think you had to think that way in the beginning, but right. uh, with this new facility and the new things you're doing, you're going through the same trials and errors that any brewer with a exactly. new system has to go through. And I think it's going to just make us better. Because these are the things we tell brewers to do all the time, yeah. and we need to to try these things and see how difficult they are, you know, and 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 optimize them. Yeah. Uh, so it's great experience for us, and it's it's a great R and D tool too. When we try new yeast strains, we can rapidly get these tests going, and um, I can already notice that that. In the few weeks since we've opened this tasting room, I'm tasting beers a little bit differently hmm. because now I've been focusing on trying all these different beers from a really detailed sensory perspective. Now I'm doing that at home, which I haven't done in a couple of years, really. Okay. I focus on that sensory aspect. Yeah. yeah. When you're looking at these beers, you know, just gone through, I've tried them several times, but uh, I would probably swear that that there was different brewing water used. Oh, if, yeah. You right, know, right. Yeah, between right. Uh, the Alt beer strain and I think it's uh, one of the California strains. There's just a sharpness there that that I would totally put on water, 
and uh, it's just the yeast. I mean, it's well, it's right. even, even color wise, yeah. There's a there's a, a vast difference in color, and people will tell me, you know, they go, "Oh no, it's it's you know the color's different." Okay, no, the color's the same. It just depends on you know essentially how much yeast is left over, or you know what what color's been removed by the yeast. You know, it'll it'll have a an impact as well. So everything about beer is impacted by by the yeast. Now, Yusuf, you you use actually quite a few strains at Ballast Point. How did you come to get into? In a lot of breweries, won't yeah, because well, it's it's challenging. There's a lot of challenges to it. Yeah, the, the the most unusual thing that I find in the brewing industry and and especially California is you know Sierra Nevada came out with this incredible workhorse of a brew strain you know and mm-hmm. and uh it caught on and it just swept the state you know and uh when we were starting off uh, jack really went out of his way to uh say hey you know what let's make something with another strain so we're not just kind of fitting in with every other beer because it does create a signature flavor profile and uh so he he uh got with chris and uh chris was brewing with me at home and and uh we we kind of set out to get a, a, a strain that Jack really loved, and it was, turned out to be an English ale strain that we ended up starting with, uh, super flocculent, um, and uh, you know it, it left almost like a Madeira-like quality uh, in the finished product, which really complemented the amber ale that we were putting it in. Uh, it does have a little bit of drawback that it tends to oxidize quickly, uh, so you know the 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 beer definitely has a a different taste after several weeks you know mm-hmm. than it does fresh out of the tanks um you know the the after brewing with that strain we realized hey we really need to to make uh, different beers with different strains because that's going to lend to when you know when we're making 40 50 beers throughout the year there isn't going to be this homogenous taste throughout all of them and right. the thing i noticed you know growing up here in san diego with uh you know some of the we've got tons of breweries here and traveling i've traveled off and down the coast you know had a lot of beers was there was the signature signature yeast taste you know um it's very hard to manage different strains you know when when one yeast is done if you don't get it back into the uh the tank fermenting again you're uh, making Chris White uh, another apartment building, you know, down, down San Diego. So, um, so it, it's you know, it's it's in our best interest to to keep the different strains going. And how do most brewers do that? They use one strain, and they mm-hmm. they never have a problem with that. But we're we're using a, a German ale, a Kolsch strain. Um, we do use a little bit of the California ale yeast. Uh, we use our proprietary English ale yeast. Uh, we use a wit beer strain. We use a couple different lager strains. And when you see, uh, you know, at our new tasting bar, we've got 20 beers on tap. They are totally different, you know, mm-hmm. every one of them, you know. And, and some of the breweries, I'm, I must say, you know, are, I, I would I would challenge people to uh, put a blindfold on and taste, you know, their eight or ten different varieties and really nail down which each each one is. I mean, they might have different hop profiles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, you know, they're pretty, right. they're maybe missing that other dimensionality that you can pick up from the yeast. Yeah, yeast is such an important part of beer flavor and we're actually taking that in also into the spirits and using uh the yeast that we use in our calico and our big eye into our whiskey uh because we are brewers and we're we're translating that same philosophy into distilling which speaking of fermentation temperature distillers don't 
give a crap about how hot their fermentation goes. Mm. And as brewers, we all know, hey, you know, yeah. when, when you're fermenting yeah. hot, you're stressing the yeast out. You're putting off all these esters and mm-hmm. higher alcohols and just all sorts of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. That's going to just be concentrated in the distilling process. Right. So by doing lower temperature fermentations in the distillery, using an, an ale yeast that creates certain flavors, mm-hmm. uh, we're out to, to make a better product. And, and that's what's going to separate out craft distilling just like craft beer did. So do the, do the distillers generally just use one distiller distiller's yeast? Most they, commonly, I, the the most famous quote I ever heard uh, from a, a really big using name Fleischmann's, yeah, Red Star, yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. And, and Chris can talk on that. But there, I was at a conference and I heard uh, from a distiller who's very well respected. Uh, when I asked him, you know, what he th- thinks about different yeast, he said, uh, "East is yeast, and West is West. It doesn't matter." <laughs> and uh, at that point, oh, wow. you know, if you told that to a brewer, they would instantly discredit you. You know, right? Yeah. Right. And because uh, I, I really they're just trying to make alcohol, and then they're dealing with all those higher alcohols and all those flavors later on by, you know, Cutting. discarding different parts yeah, and yes. by. Yeah. But, by but, aging it or what? Well, it's similar to the wine guys. A, a lot of wine people uh, think that you know the esters don't matter because mm-hmm. in the aging process they'll go away. And I, I don't know. As a brewer, I'm <laughs> just it's it's a hard one to for right, me to, right. to agree with. I think the same thing could actually happen in brewing, and uh, but it hasn't yet. This idea that people, I think what's happened in, in a lot of distilling and winemaking, because you'll run into that a lot, what you said, just said, oh, yeast doesn't matter. They say that in winemaking and distilling. And yes, yeast has less of an overall contribution in those products because there's all these other flavors and there's different things happening like distillation. But there are differences. And people start to say there's no differences because what happens is people just start using one yeast strain. Everybody so that starts can using in, the same thing. can happen yeah. in the brewing industry. People... All of the current brewers, 80% of the current brewers, just start using one yeast strain, dry, liquid, whatever. But they just start using mm-hmm. one yeast strain. And the next generation of brewers comes on, and they just start using that one yeast strain. Mm-hmm. And then another generation of uh-huh. brewers come on, they're using that one yeast strain. So somebody three generations later is going to ask a brewer, hey, isn't yeast important? And they say, no, we just had this stuff in, and it makes our beer. Mm-hmm. So a and, means to an end. Yeah, they, right. they've lost that. And... Uh, some people have lost that, a good majority of winemakers and distillers, where they used to use different yeast strains. If you mm-hmm. go through the bourbon distilleries in Kentucky, they all have yeast tubs and yeast growing areas, they call uh, where they're making different yeast strains and they're making different whiskeys and then they're blending together. And they used to do that. Mm-hmm. They used to do that in Scotland for Scots. They'd add 10% of the yeast they would add would be brewer's yeast. Then they'd use some distiller's yeast. And they really felt that that brewer's yeast added uh, some full flavor to their, to their mm-hmm. whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a lot of ale yeast in, in mm-hmm. a, uh, Britain, at the, in Scotland and stuff at the time. Uh, but then they wanted there's to not use now. So, yeasts that would attenuate even further, get a more right. alcohol for the amount of Right, uh, which some, a lot of distiller strains are better in. at. Right. Um, so we work now with about half the bourbon distilleries in mm-hmm. Kentucky, and we bank yeast for them and we supply yeast for them. And the other half have used basically uh, sim- simple, uh, you know, a commercially available dis- dried distiller strains. Mm-hmm. So there's a camp that believes in yeast and variety of yeast, and there's a camp mm-hmm. that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And Four Roses is a good example of a distillery uh, in Kentucky and, uh, that makes bourbon, uh, and they, make, they use five different yeast strains. And they make, they ferment these five strains, they distill them, and then they uh, age them. And then they blend. Their uh, different packages nice. are made uh-huh. up of this. And Yusuf's had a couple chances to try different yeast strains in hmm. these different distillates, and they're different. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I think it's it that that particular distillery is actually gaining a lot of respect now for its whiskey, for its bourbons and other whiskeys, uh, because they're just a bit different, maybe a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've got floral, fruity yeast. They've got non-floral. They've got phenolic yeast. They've got combinations, and then. They, they blend those whiskeys together. So some of those materials are taken over in the distillate. Mm-hmm. As a, a large-scale brewer, um, on you know, if you came to White Labs and said, hey, I want to really see what, what these yeasts are doing, they might have a total different intention than a craft brewer. They might come in and go, hey, you know what? Number 15 got an extra you know, 5% attenuation, mm-hmm. and the IBU contribution it was a little bit higher. It didn't you know, absorb mm-hmm. any. So... Over so the we course could save of the money year, on IV. Yeah, over the course <laughs> yeah, of the year, yeah. that's uh, alpha acid units we're not right. spending. Right. For, and the attenuation, we can lower mm. the grain bill. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, they've they've made a you know a half a million dollars on that right. uh, <laughs> over the course of the year. So you know there there's also even big scale implications of why you would do what you're doing here, other than huh. just flavor. Sure. Let's take a quick break, and um, what I'd like to do for the folks at home, because we've got these beers in front of us, and and we're sampling them, um, but I want to maybe pick a couple of the strains that are in front of us and talk about the differences Mm -hmm. um, in in the wort so that folks can learn about a couple of the White Labs strains that that we've used here. Uh, I would be particularly interested in the Dusseldorf strain that you said is in one of them, uh, because I'm a fan of of alt beers in general, and so I just uh, knowing about characteristics of some of the White Labs yeast, I think would be good for us yeah do you want to do uh you want to do adam and eve uh, before we go to break uh, sure yeah no nah, you know it by now it's uh coupon code jamil right no 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 no. we'll, we'll do it later we'll do it later <laughs> what are you my drink on you embarrass me in front of yusef i'm talking uh adam and eve and you, you can know. talk dildos in front of yusef he doesn't care <laughs> well, let's just go to break uh we'll be we'll be back after this Seven short minutes off California State Route 101, there lies a secret oasis for all craft beer lovers. It's relax, grilling, and chilling, bro! Relax, grilling, and chilling in Hollister, California is a craft beer lover's dream come true. Not like a creepy JP dream. Like a normal craft beer lover's dream. 30 taps pouring your favorite craft beer. Visit Relax Grilling and Chilling on Facebook to see the most up-to-date beers and what's on the grill. Let us grill so you can chill. Angus burgers, filet mignon, and ribeye steaks, dogs and sandwiches, and more. Great food, great beer in a place where you can kick back and relax. Tuesdays are brewery nights. Come in to celebrate, and you're not limited to enjoying your favorite brew at the restaurant. Relax, grillin' and chillin' has beer to go. Relax, grillin' and chillin'. Let them grill so you can chill. And now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouthfeel. That's just a crazy dream, or is it? With Northern Brewer, a 
bloodthirsty nation can craft its own ale and lager for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, superior customer service, and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. Malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at HopTech.com or call 1-800-DRY-HOPS, 1-800-379-4677. With in-store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection and a dedicated commitment to their customers, HopTech is one of the longest running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. HopTech. Visit today at HopTech.com. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're at the lovely new facilities at uh, White Labs in San Diego. What street? Candida. 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 Nice. Own it. Here at the Candida Monologues. It's the Candida Monologues today. <laughs> yeah, you need to come out with a new strain. I'm yeah. not going to say what, but you, you get my drift. Well, uh, there are some strains you could use in winemaking. 
Candida strains you could use in winemaking. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Are those like Lambrusco or? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. As I display my awesome wine knowledge. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They, uh, it's, there's, there's different ones. Yeah. There's different ones. All right. We got, we're, we're short on time because we've got a whole other show to do here today. But I did want to talk about these beers in front of us. And one thing that Yousef mentioned uh, kind of at the beginning of the last segment was that um, uh, two of these beers, he thought, actually had different brewing water. There was such a, a difference that, that he had pinpointed that it would be brewing water. But knowing, of course, that it's the same work that, that he made, um, it's, it's really yeast-driven. So which two yeast strains are we talking about when you said that, Yousef? That was the all strain and then the uh, California 5 so the California 5 being a almost minerally kind of s- sharper tasting and the alt strain having that smoother uh, you know German style alt right. flavor you know it's it's really crazy that uh, almost has that soft it really does it that 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 pale ale tastes like a, <laughs> tastes like an alt beer yeah and, and that's the one thing that I you know when I go to Germany and try the beers there one of my favorite things about them is the soft aspect mm-hmm. of them. They're you know they're just they just have this gentle softness about them instead of that you know crisp biting. Well, it's got to be you know a pH thing. It's got to be an acid thing. It's got to be uh, you know reduction in IBUs. It's got to be certain alcohols that are produced. It's got to be what else, Chris? What else? Well, would I be think Yusuf really found something spectacular because I think. That if you went to a German alt brewer and you asked him, "Is this softness because of the yeast?" He'd think you were crazy. Yeah, they go on about <laughs> you know decoction or yeah. you know people. It, it just drives me nuts. People talk about all these brewing processes and then they don't realize that you know so much flavor is controlled by the yeast yeah. that yeah. you know uh, the process. You know, yeast and fermentation is the first thing you need to look at. We were, we were looking at one that, of the, the Saison beers earlier, you and I, and, and talking about how mm-hmm. one of them just screamed candy sugar to you. I mean, there were just a, right, right. a rich sweetness that you could t- t- smell in the nose. Yeah, it was the, uh, the 500, the, uh, wasn't it? Or no, it was, uh, which one? It was the, um, <laughs> as we bring everything to a stop. Golden Ale. It was the Golden Ale. It was the oh, uh, right. 570. 570. The 570 had this, this huge candy, like hard candy kind of character to it. I mean, it just jumped out at you. And I've heard, have, you know, people will tell me, oh, no, you know, you can smell the Belgian candy sugar in the beer. You know, it's all because you used candy sugar instead of table sugar. You can't use table sugar. you got to use the candy sugar. And that's the yeah. difference. It's like, <laughs> no, it's a yeast-derived thing, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, that's that's where it comes from is, you know, that, that kind of character. It, it seems like hard candy was added to it. Right. But it's, it's yeah, amazing. But able to being able to taste it side by side with same wort, you know, and yeah. a different mm-hmm. yeast strain mm-hmm. made it made it readily apparent. Yeah, right. those those uh, saison beers we don't have in, in front of us right now, but those have been the most popular uh, sets of beers we've gone through. Maybe four or five saison brews so far, and that's uh, one thing people are trying to really interested in tasting different yeast strains. And it's another R and D perspective here too, because in that saison set we have WLP five eighty five Belgian saison three which is not even available yet, but it's going to be our platinum release in July, August. So people could come in here now and try what Belgian Ale 3 is. Uh, What's coming uh, Saison Ale 3 little, is going to taste you like. You get a little uh, advanced uh, sneak peek yeah, there. sneak peek. <laughs> Something's going to be a platinum strain, and so they're going to, they're going to, you're going to charge like 10 times as much. Right? Oh, yeah. Is that one in this We've batch? We've never done that. <laughs> Th- that, oh, would you say 003 um, Saison? 
Is that in the this WLP batch of beers? The WLP 585 Belgian Saison 3 Ale Yeast. And that that's is tap number, number 10 that's in no, the tasting ah, bar. In the tasting you bar. You can taste after. Okay. So do you have the IBU uh, report? Yes. So uh, all of the beers we have in front of us, I have the uh, data for. So we have the IPA series, the, Bel- the Ballast Point Collaboration series. And so here's the IBU data. Um, so what's the IBU difference between the California 5 and the, and the Alt? So you can see the the alt is down at twenty one point seven, wow. and the other one at, at twenty six. So there's a five, five yeah, yeah, immediate thing. Um, I I wanted to check on twenty two here, twenty nine. I I really noticed that the Belgian uh, mm-hmm. was dramatically more bitter, and and it's baffling to see that I was right. <laughs> uh, it's almost you know eight IBUs difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's kind of that's kind of going to contribute to the softness that you know you're going to perceive and and why that alt strain might right. might be doing that. So How are other yeah. things like attenuation? That, that's or interesting because some of the small batches we made here, you wonder too if the IBU difference can be also helped because of such a small batch and the runoff time difference. But these mm-hmm. ballast point beers came off of a 50 barrel brew house, yeah. so yeah. that's well homogenized wort. Mm-hmm. And the 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 California is attenuated a, a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, just just a, a bit. Um, not incredibly dramatic here. Final gravity, uh, 1014 and a 1013, um, mm. 4.6 versus 4.8 alcohol content. Um, so the bitterness units are mm-hmm. probably most the most distinct there. The pH is, is almost identical. Well, it's got to be other compounds like acetaldehyde or, you know, um, uh, you know, even perhaps, you know, phenol, uh, you know, diacetyl or, you know, phenols or, you know, uh, well, there there shouldn't be any phenols in either one of those, but uh, other you know other compounds and other other uh, esters and alcohols and things like that. That the the type that's produced produces a different you know flavor and sharpness versus um, you know even if the, the the amounts are the same, you know just the character is completely different. I and, think that's, you know, that's a big big part of it. This is stuff that's just going to keep uh, uh, you know. This ed- the level of, of knowledge that's going to come out of this kind of experiment is going to be enormous after you know over time stuff that we didn't even you know think about as much anymore. There's so many different things to think about in brewing that this is just adding to it. Um, number fifteen in front of me, White. You had said that this was done with a hefeweizen yeast. So I have that right? Yes, a hefeweizen yeast. So a nice example of taking a pale ale recipe. No wheat malt in it. I- I don't think. There's a little wheat. Oh, a little wheat. Yeah. Just have a the little bit, here. though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what it does but, to it. Yeah. It, uh, it's still pretty clean at this fermentation temperature, but there's that uh, clove and, yeah. and phenol mm-hmm. character. And if, you know, I, traveling around, I, I get to uh, go to some other breweries in, in um, different places. Uh, even here... We did in this room yesterday. We did a class for forty people that are here for the CBC. We did a yeast essentials class, and we in, the, in those forty people, we had nine people from Mexico alone. Wow! So they all talked uh, of a kind of beer revolution happening mm-hmm. in Mexico. They were from uh, Guadalajara, Mexico City, Tijuana, Mexicali, yep. and that's exciting to see. And they have uh, a little bit harder time getting raw ingredients. You know, they all talked about the challenges of getting malt and hops and yeast is another challenge. And sometimes I go to those areas and they, where they only have maybe one type of yeast, whether it's dry or something else, but usually dry. And, um, they, they'll have a Hefeweizen like this on the menu, but not able to use a true Hefeweizen yeast. You can't do a border run and, and <laughs> bring some yeast back. 
Right. Uh, fortunately, we're at a good location, yeah. So the breweries in Mexicali and Tijuana, along the border here in Baja, California, uh, if you go in Home Brew Mart, there's a good chance you're going to see one of those guys in there buying a pile of yeast. Yeah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they have access to ingredients because they have Home Brew Mart here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the small breweries in, in, in northern Mexico are getting their ingredients. Yeah. That's great. I was, I was just down there in Ensenada last month uh, for their beer fest and talked to a lot of the area brewers. And they, they do come up here and, and buy ingredients. And honestly, one of the best uh, German uh, Hefeweizens or Kristallweizen was at um, – uh, the Bossinger's, uh, Bossinger's uh, uh, Brewery in Tijuana. He had a really nice beer. That uh, they were all the beers in Mexico are improving dramatically. I think. Yeah, they are. They are, and we've been we've been sending more yeast uh, to Mexico City and other places uh, in the last year a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so with the, this, I think one way to talk about uh, some, sometimes a good way to talk about a, a flavor profile is to talk about what's missing um, that we might expect. So I've never had a, a beer that's a pale ale uh, brewed with a hefeweizen yeast. So what makes this not a hefeweizen? What's missing from it that the yeast might otherwise use, or, or you know, the malt being wheat? Um, that's not here because I think sometimes you can learn about what what something does by by knowing what it's not doing. That's a good question. Well, like ferulic acid from mm-hmm. like uh, you know uh, more wheat malt or ferulic acid rest, you know, right. is said to you know increase the amount of clove and things like that. I see. Um, I actually thought that the alt initially when I first smelled it actually had more banana than the hefeweizen yeast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Kind of got a banana charge out of it, and it's kind of gone now. But I thought that that was an interesting yeah, I comparison. Yeah, I tasted that too. Hmm. Smell that. And um, then, yeah. yeah, and then there's uh, probably some other malts in here that are adding to some flavors that you wouldn't taste in a wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Some specialty malts. Yeah, we've got some, you know, some Munich in there that'll that you probably would never have in a in a Weizen beer. So mm-hmm. yeah, and we're doing just a straight infusion uh, single single temperature infusion mash so i've i've talked to german brewers who you know swear up and down that you need to do decoctions to get the certain compounds to produce ultimately that signature flavor of the german wheat beer so right um you know i remember one of the first times i brewed a wheat beer was with chris and i had the temperature down at you know the 128 or whatever it was to start and uh he looked at me and said, hey, have you ever done a, a wheat beer just at a single temp infusion? And I, I don't know, but all the books say you could do it, should do it this way. He goes, well, have you ever done it the other way? I'm like, screw it. And I turned the heat back on and did an infusion, and it, it actually came out really nice. Oh, so, it did. Um, you know, but there there are points to argue that you know maybe it mm-hmm. could have been a little bit right. better. Uh, it depends on you know the banana versus the clove aspect of the right. You know. You know, some people really like that banana milkshakey kind of Weizen beer, and other people like that more traditional German clove kind of yeah quality. So the thing is, is that even with some of the differences, and maybe that it's a little more mellow than than say a traditional German half or something. If you put it in front of me blind and said and asked me what kind of beer that is, I'd say it's a vice beer of some kind. Mm-hmm. You, you clearly it's it's still yeast driven enough mm-hmm. that I yeah. would never say, well, that's a pale ale with something wrong with it. Right. I would right. say that's, right. that's a that's a vice beer, especially if you had a a little bit more turbidity to it. 
Right. And if it was served in a vice beer glass. And put it in a vice with a big head on it, <laughs> yeah. and I go, oh, it's a German beer. But, it's a uh, vice beer. I mean, if you compare you know, the yeah. 300 and the 380. It is more turbid, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's plenty. And does, plenty does the uh, color uh, here on these uh, charts, Chris, do they reflect turbidity or is it? Uh, it, it doesn't, but sometimes the numbers look funny because turbidity wasn't taken out. But usually uh, you remove the turbidity and then you do the color, but it doesn't always come out nicely. Because so. if you look at the numbers, yeah, it is noticeably darker than the uh, alt beer, right. but it could be just the... Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't get rid of all of it. So, uh, like with the new numbers we just had for Saison, all of those are cloudy in that series, and there's some strange numbers. And so they'll t- we'll probably have to go back and repeat those color numbers because it's some of the cloudy beers are difficult to get a good color. One thing that really stood out to me out of the set was the uh, the cream ale yeast. Now, cream ale, you know, a lot of times you know it could be lager done. This is a cream ale blend that White Labs does, and one of the things about cream ale is kind of, um, you know, it, it's it's fairly clean, but you could also have, uh, you know, a bit of a corn-like, you know, or a DMS mm-hmm. character in there. And uh, I swear, you know, it just stood out to me like that. You know, initially, it's not there as much now that it's been sitting for a while, but... Is that 14? You know, initially, uh, yeah, 14. 14. I kind of got like, like this little bit of a corn character to it. I could have sworn somebody slipped in a Little Kings on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was just like, That's well, hilarious. wait a minute. You know, I never thought that you got that from the yeast at all. Yeah. And it's kind of weird that... There it is. in there. I, I still... I'm wondering if I imagined it or... Yeah. I mean, do you get that from yeah. that yeast? Yeah. Does that one uh, did fourteen attenuate more than say eleven, I've, for example? The I've Dusseldorf? been telling people you use you know use a lager yeast or use cal ale or whatever for your cream ale, but I would say go with the cream ale blend for your. Now cream that you're ale. tasting this, like yeah. A, yeah. yeah, that that one dried out. I was almost kind of surprised. Out of, uh, and all it of them. should. I mean, the cream ale should attenuate out. Should be you know. Quite dry. You get this little bit of a corn sweetness back. Yeah, yep. you know, and there I'm it is. just I'm just amazed at that at that yeast blend. I don't know what you're doing in there, Chris. <laughs> um, God knows what uh, work going on in the lab. It's but uh, fun to see that things work out. I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked. Up with. Really shocked because I've never I've never recommended the cream ale blend. Never. Huh. Really? I've always gone with oh use you know a lager yeast or this or that. I I don't know. So I didn't expect anything from it, but I'm just amazed. Is the malt bill on a cream ale similar, malt and hops, similar to a pale ale? No, not really. Because this is another one to me that if you put it in front of me and told me it was a cream ale, I'd say you're damn right it is. (laughs) It's it's a little heavier, a little maltier, I think. You know, I think, you know, the Munich malt and and, and whatever, there's a little too much, a little too much malt character in there, but... um, I'm just amazed at at how well that yeast did for you know turning something else into the style that that it would be. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I think it's my favorite beer on the uh, on the panel here. Actually, it's got a really nice flavor to it. Some of the other ones, um, and I think it's an interesting part of this experiment, do taste a little funky in the sense that that they. It's not like a beer I've ever had. It would be hard for me to describe to somebody what kind of beer I'm tasting. Right. And I think that's in part due maybe that you're you're putting a yeast strain into a pale ale that you know, wasn't really meant to 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 make a, that beer. So, but this one with the cream ale, 
oh man, I, I just drink that. I just order another one off the tap. It tastes mm-hmm. uh, there. It doesn't have any weird things going on for me. Um, whereas some of the others, like style-wise, I said, yeah. they're just a little off style. I, yeah, I don't know it, how to describe what they Belgian are. Belgian wit, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of strange. But yeah, if, right? but if but, but if you were to take any of these, if you, I think you could take just about any of the non-souring. Even the souring would probably work out pretty great. <laughs> but you could take any of the, the, the yeast that White Labs produces, ferment a beer with it, whatever wort with it, it's going to turn out to be a good beer if yeah. you ferment it properly, right? Yeah. And your yeah. sanitation's good and all that. It doesn't matter what the word is. It, you know, it's mm-hmm. more about that fermentation process and starting with a, you know, a good product. To, you know, you'll, make, you'll make beer. You, make, uh, you could make good beer. Right. Which, by the way, is the other interesting part about uh, having Yousef uh, produce the wort and you do the fermentation. And I think it's a good way to see how important fermentation is. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I would like to go to uh, what's the this uh, wort the base of in Ballast Point? This is our paleo. It's your paleo. Yeah, which which is kind of confusing to people sometimes when they're dealing with a brewery that's uh, talk. You know, especially West Coast San Diego. Uh, a pale ale that has 23 IBUs, you know, what the hell yeah, it is this thing? 70, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should be at least 70. Yeah. It should be at least 70 and 10%, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. I was, I was right. looking at the symposium ale, and in big letters it says San Diego pale ale, and you basically don't even see that it says right. double IPA, and I go, 10% for a, well, I guess San Diego pale ale is 10%, you know, so it's like what we right. make here. But, uh, yeah, the, it's a Kolsch beer. Um, we started off with a basically a German style pale ale recipe. That's the reason we use the German style yeast on there. Uh, it's a traditional Kolsch beer uh, grain bill with uh, the Munich and the wheat, and uh, and then uh, German hopping. So it doesn't fit the bill of a West Coast pale ale at all, and that's why it's so perfect for a base beer for doing trial fermentations because it doesn't have that uh, you know. 108 IBUs and uh, 10% alcohol. Right. You know, it's, right. it's it's down there. So it it serves as a good blank slate for uh, for taking these different yeasts and kind of tweaking them out. I would like to see you do, Chris. Say, you know, do some on uh, you know words that should get to you know plus 10%. You know, because mm-hmm. so many people they're like, well, you know, what yeast will ferment over 10%? Right. Eh, Pretty much every single one of them, right? You know, uh, yeah. We should do some high gravity beers. Yeah. I want to do some bigger beers, and uh, for those kind of reasons, and also to highlight what yeast do differently in big beers. Big beers, yeah. Because some people say that that you can't tell a difference if they're a bigger. Oh, beer, you, you know? can tell it everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've had uh, you know Charlie Bamforth at Davis. You've had mm-hmm. him on the show, right? Mm-hmm. We have a little lab there in Davis, and I, I talk at Davis sometimes, uh, or teach there, and he likes to. Th- Say that uh, different yeast in a big beer probably doesn't matter, but mm. you know I think with a tasting oh, what's room. That man for <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so he inspired me to do this tasting room too. You know right, all these right. little pieces uh, made yeah. it happen because I want to have these on here and, yeah, and have yeah. you know you 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 can decide for yourself. You can you can taste them and you will see a difference. I well, can guarantee. And, and I think the easiest way to prove this is you know make a make a big wort. Uh, strong wort, and then you know you cut it with water and make a you know different gravities of it, and then you know same yeast, different gravities, or you know different oh, yeah. yeast, different gravities, and uh, you know I, I think it's gonna it's gonna make a difference it's with a, a with a larger brewery too. It's fairly easy to do because you can do first running beers. Mm-hmm. So when we want to do a small batch of a really strong right. beer, we'll we'll take a little bit of first runnings and 
You know, um, the, the thing that worries me about that, though, is, you know, those later runnings, you know, maybe you're getting more tannins or not. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I, but, you know, I think you do. Um, but if you're doing a, a, you know, a series of, say, 10 fermentations and right. all you're really, f- you know, focusing on is w- what the yeast is going to do at the higher alcohol right, level. Right, right, right. Because, you know, it would be easy for Chris to come over when I'm doing a, a whiskey wash. Yeah. It's 100% two-row malted barley, no there specialty. Right. And uh, I run off at about 10%. You know, mm-hmm. or about a ten eighty five starting. See, I got you set up. You just, you, just right you just need to show up with your empty uh, <laughs> The only problem is he'll actually have to come home and do some work and boil it and add some hops right. versus uh, have it uh, ready to go for him. Yeah. He's got staff for that. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's got, got people. people. <laughs> I really like that we've turned Whitey back into a home brewer for yeah. for yeah, this it's facility. Fun. It's fun, and it's fun for the people here. You mentioned I've got people. You know, behind this in this place, we have about fifty people here making yeast every day, even when those class was going on and they're walking by the tasting room now a lot of the, uh just going wow this is fun they get to see customers they get to see uh real you know they get to taste beers with the yeast in it because i travel around a lot so do some other people but most of the people here making yeast in an everyday basis they don't travel you know they don't get to go around and see different breweries and beer festivals and stuff so it's been a lot of fun for them and i think they're just to see this but it's also going to make them better at making yeast because they're going to see the results. Well, and for that matter, they might, even if they're out drinking beer sometimes, they might not know that that's your yeast. That's the yeast that they made. Right. Especially with the confidentiality and things, you know, that you have. Yeah. They might have been uh, providing, uh, making the yeast for a brewer for years and never even known it. Absolutely. So uh, getting to taste more and more of it in here. Yeah, it really depends where you are in the in the chain of, of production, it, mm-hmm. if you ever know what brewery gets the beer. I see. You know, if you're in some packaging or, you know, of course, you're going to see a lot of the brewery labels. If you're in the lab doing the QC on individual breweries, pa- brewery packages, you're going to see it. But if you're, you're a few, if you're a few steps back in some of the production cycles, uh, you, you won't see any brewery names go, going around. So you wouldn't know where right. the yeast is going. Yeah. Well, that is cool uh, to to be able to let you, the rest of the employees actually taste the product uh, that they're back there working on all the yeah. time. Well, before we run out of time, I, we do want to taste this last beer. Uh, Yousef brought us a, a, a very unique beer, by the way. He described it to me before the show. In it's fact, a, I said we can't taste it till the end because right. of it. I, I tasted it last year. Oh, you did? It's a, and I am amazed at that you can taste everything that's in it. All right, you well, said the, the kind of cool thing. I mean, your show caters to the home brewers, and this one is just the total. Uh, all of our beers are made by home brewers because that's how we all started. But this one's just kind of a home brewer's dream come true. He, a uh, uh, guy by the name of Alex Tweet, uh, entered a homebrew contest that we were putting on with the Holiday Wine Cellar up in Escondido, and uh, he actually ended up winning the contest with uh, a beer that was completely out of the wor- out of this world as far as what we could. Uh, had ever tried before and it's a uh, a beer that we call Indra Canindra and uh, that was the name given to it by Holiday Wine Cellar and it is a foreign style stout um, but it's actually spiced with uh, curry, kefir lime, cumin, uh, toasted coconut and cayenne Wow! and uh, it's almost done like a, a tea that we put into the finished beer and uh, it's it's one of those ones where you, you know you, you try it and you're just like I've never had this before. So when you when you do all these yeast samples and uh, it doesn't quite work out for you, you can still uh, take a, <laughs> take a bunch of spices and you know turn it into something else. And but you know it, this was totally you know Alex just came up with this recipe you know as a perfect uh, mm-hmm. pairing beer. You know you you 
put this with some Thai food or or something. It's just amazing. Uh, actually, Colby, our, one of our specialty brewers or the specialty brewer for Ballast Point, uh, he says the perfect pairing for Indra Kanindra is white rice because uh, <laughs> you don't really need anything right. else. Right. Um, that's a, a pretty good pretty good sum summary of what this beer is all about. But yeah, you know, he he brewed this beer. It was in, incredible. We put it out in the bottle, um, and then we actually hired him as a brewer. So he's uh, one of the production brewers for us now so it was kind of that you know home brewer goes uh crazy makes this uh incredible beer and then gets a job yeah you know when i see a list of ingredients like this peter simons and i came down last year for the the homebrewers conference and we tasted this beer then and when you see a list of ingredients like that you go well first off too many ingredients. Yeah, you go. It's oh, going to be muddy. It's yeah. you, you know. It's if you were to send this into a competition, my advice to you as a home brewer is: don't list all those ingredients. The judges will never taste them. They're going to mark you down for that ingredient not being in the beer. But you taste this, and you get every single one yeah. of those ingredients is there, and, it was, and it's in a the, great balance. And, and the it's funny just thing amazing. was, is he actually put it in the wrong category. And I think it was Ryan, um, our distribution manager, that tasted it. And said, "The hell is this?" You know. <laughs> and then he went back and looked at the entry. And he's like, "Oh, it was put in the wrong category." And he handed it to me, and and I was like, "What? You know, what is going on here?" And and then we started breaking it down. And you know, we we did want something unusual to brew. Mm-hmm. You know, to we we weren't looking for another pale ale. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. You, you and didn't, uh, didn't get that. Yeah this <laughs> this uh, this is one of those ones. You know, a lot of people will try it and be blown away and love it. Uh, other people are just too shocked by it. We brought some over to Scotland and uh, unleashed it at one of the Brewdog bars over there. And the people were, you know, they're used to eating curry all the time. Yeah. And they're like, why hasn't somebody done this right. before? This right. is like curry <laughs> in a beer. So it, it's a, a fun one. We're going to have this and the Sculpin on tap uh, at the CBC Zoo event tonight. So if mm-hmm. any uh, the people that are attending that want to come by and give it a try. You should. So. It's j- just the aroma, right? It, it did shock me, right, when I put my nose to the glass right but right after i got over that it just smelled like i want to go to lunch yeah it smelled like exactly what i'd like to be eating (laughs) for lunch it's really it smells like food yeah well i'll tell you what it smelled like like. guys gals fellas (laughs) (laughs) yeah are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom oh yeah yeah. you're looking at (laughs) some adventurous new toy for your uh for your guy your gal yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this it's, a Roger Davis ad? <laughs> it's sort of, except they actually pay. Yeah, oh, okay. ch- check out adamandeve.com. They've got uh, you know a great array of uh, wild and spicy things there for you, for uh, for your for your friends and right. friends and lovers. You know, if you buy one item, they give you fifty percent off that one item. Yep. And then they're going to throw in three free adult DVDs. Right. And it's not just like any adult DVDs, you know, like the the garbage pile they're going to throw three in. No. You actually get to pick from those DVDs. <laughs> right. Then a free extra gift. I tell you, Yusuf, it's so essential I can't mention it on the air. Right. Free extra gift and free shipping. All you have to do. All you have to do when you go to checkout, you uh, enter. <laughs> writing it down. Chris Weiss writing it down. Right down. Coupon <laughs> code. The special coupon code Triple is Jamel. J-A-M-I-L. So easy. How? My, my no, name is a, is a special code at adamandeve.com. So yep. go check it out. Good sponsors. They've, uh, they've supported us for a long time, and uh, uh, they got a lot of great items, reasonable pricing. Again, you're going to get 50% off one item. You're going to get three free adult DVDs. You're going to get 
a free extra gift so sensual we can't mention it on the radio. Yep. And free shipping on the whole thing. Right. Just just type in J A M I L. Check out. Now Yusef. Yeah. You know how you know you've made it? It's not when you've won the small brewery of the year at the World Beer Cup. It's when your name is the coupon code at an adult website. That's nice. That's how you know you've made it. I am something of a big thing around the adult website industry. I mean, I don't don't think there's another measuring stick, so to speak, that could be used than to have your name as the coupon code. There you go. All right. Uh, so we are out of time. We do have another Brew Strong show coming up just after this. Um, and we're going to be talking to Coronado Brewing Company. And the White Labs, um, is she the production manager? Why do I always screw up Neva's title? <laughs> she's head of laboratory operations, which means she's in charge of a lot of stuff. Yeah. She's in charge of the labs uh, here in Davis or wherever else we put them. She's in charge of all the... the uh, yeast and other non-yeast things like nutrients and enzymes that we do. Uh, overall, in charge of all the production, even though people that work for her plan all the production, she supervises all that. So There you go. So she's Nava Parker is going to sit down with us, and she's also just a wonderful human yeah. being who's always helping home brewers out and pro brewers out and the brewing network out, and so that's going to be fun. And we're going to be talking to Sean from Coronado. He's going to sit down with us too, and we're going to talk about uh, learning to use yeast and how it can really change uh, the way you brew things. And that's coming up just next uh, live here from White Labs. Um, what'd you give us here, Yusef, to, to say goodbye to? This is uh, the Devil Share Whiskey. This is not in uh, for sale, and this is barrel strength, so we're at 120 proof right now. <laughs> so right. when you take a sip, uh, go easy. It's it's definitely not beer, but it was made with the same yeast that we use in our beer. So oh, okay. Uh, that is really smooth. Which, which yeast? It's a, the, proprietor- the, your, it's your a proprietary English strain. English strain. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, and this is aged in brand new American oak like a bourbon, Wow! but it is a single malt, uh, 100% malted barley whiskey so not peated but just uh like a brewer's malt so you know at that strength like palmer said it's really smooth it is but it's still but it's also hot as hell (laughs) after but it goes down really smooth the the heat just kind of comes up afterward with that 120 proof and and most people aren't used to drinking 120 proof uh whiskey right so when you try it you know it's uh it's definitely got the heat but for that high of a proof it's yeah it's fairly smooth and you know, you're, you're, we're going to take this down to probably 95 proof when we go to bottle. So wow! So we're we're special Good. here. We think, got, yeah, your listeners can hear you. You know, hear us swallowing this. Yeah, it's because all in the microphones the, too. But yeah. the way you have to do it is different than beer because yeah. you can't just casually sip a 120 proof. No, you have uh, to br- yeah. you have to breathe it in a little. And uh, yeah, the right. best the best way to go is actually not to uh, inhale through your nose with your nose stuck in the glass. It's actually just to approach it with a an open mouth and just kind of breathe through your mouth and nose at the same time. And, and, uh, if you swirl it, you're going to volatilize a a bunch more vapor. So you don't really need to do that. You can just go right into it. Um, but yeah, normally we'd, we'd hit it with some, uh, some water to, to kind of tone it down a bit. It'll actually bring out a a little bit more flavor even, but I, I just siphoned uh, this out of a barrel. It's three years old. And uh, wow. you guys are are some of the few that have actually tasted it. This I've been really guarding good. this kind of stuff with my life. We've we about the only place we've had it out is to uh, to enter it into award shows. So okay. Um, well, thanks yeah. for the treat. It's that really, is, it's, it's a really nice treat. It's got an amazing long oak in the finish. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's not it's not overly oaky at all. 
Yeah, but late in the finish, you kind of you, you're still getting the barrel. You know, yeah, I we're love we're that. using the full size barrels uh, in you know it's the way the the bourbon guys do. A lot of the small craft distilleries are rushing their barrels by mm-hmm. putting them Smaller. into small barrels, yeah. and I think you get a tannic astringency with mm-hmm. those small barrels. Um, so I, I really prefer the large barrel. Oh yeah, it's 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 there, but it's delicate. It just it, it's got you know a long trailing. Yeah, with that yeah. caramel mm-hmm. yeah. wood sugar, yeah. too. Yeah, it's... Oh. Very nice. Love it. Awesome. Well, and another great show. Made <laughs> one, even one more, <laughs> more special with uh, all the Ballast Point beer and all the, yeah. the great uh, uh, sampling beers from, from Light Labs as well. Uh, I'm beside myself. Really, <laughs> yeah, really beside that too. this was... I was looking forward to this, but... I didn't realize how great this would be. This was a great so, show. An excellent show. It. And uh, if you, you appreciate programming like this, if you'd like to see more of this and you and you, you like the, the Brewing Network, go to the Brewing Network store, brewingnetwork.com, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. You get some shirts, some hats, some glassware, lots of good stuff. And when you buy that stuff, it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network, and it actually helps pay for shows like this. That's right. Check out our great sponsors, uh, Blickman Engineering, blickmanengineering.com, Blickman with two N's. They've been a longtime sponsor and really, uh, you know, they're paying for the show so you don't have to. So, right. so check them out as well. And, of course, White Labs, uh, a longtime sponsor and yeah. for hosting us. Chris, you're always a gracious host. I know you're yeah. proud of your new facility, and you should yeah. be. It's Thank rad. You. It's That's such really a cool nice. place, man. Well, Thank you for doing the show here. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to miss it. And uh, Palmer and Jamil, you guys... Uh, I'm glad you, you, you came to do some Bruce Strong out of this because I think oh, yeah. it, it needed some Bruce Strong, not some session. It needed some smart right. guys some in here. quality yeah. programming, not that other fluff you do. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good stuff, Whitey. Thank you. I'm looking forward to a good couple of days down here in yeah. San Diego with you and the crew. Great. All right, Yousef, you're the man. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Thanks All right. All right. Come Cheers by the bar. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody.